Jewish Latin Princess, episode 48, Heather Dean, host of At Home in Jerusalem. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Would you walk away from a successful career in broadcast journalism, not just any journalism, but producing interviews and interviewing Wait, listen to this. Celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow, Madonna, and Johnny Depp on a daily basis. My guest did. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm your host, Yael Trush. I have Heather Dean on the show. Heather is now the host of H.com's weekly podcast, At Home in Jerusalem, where she gets to talk to some of the most influential people in the Jewish world. But before that, Heather was a broadcast journalist in New York City, producing celebrity interviews with MTV, Associated Press Radio Network, E! Entertainment Television, TV Guide, People Magazine Online, and more. You're familiar with those names? She had so much experience with celebrities and celebrity news that she was considered the go-to expert. As such, she was frequently interviewed on camera for such networks as NBC News, MSNBC, Fox News, and Fox 5 New York to comment on breaking entertainment news stories. Now, Heather became a regular student at Asia Torah in New York in the late 1990s at the height of her career and gradually started keeping an observant lifestyle. Listen to how Heather's career changed as she underwent a transformation in outlook and lifestyle. What kind of questions did she then start asking celebrities, and how did that go? Heather ended leaving it all behind and settling in Israel. She tells us what happened. Heather is also very in tune with the divine providence throughout her life's journey, and you'll hear that come through several times in the interview, and you'll know that I love a good Ashkaha Pratit story, divine providence. Well, Heather has a lot. Heather has a book coming out soon, Searching for Heather Dean, which we talk about today. And of course, we talk about her weekly podcast, which she's, she hosts for H.com. Here you go, ladies. Here's the lovely Heather Dean. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? All the way from Jerusalem? Right, all the way from Jerusalem, Israel. And it's such an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you, Yael. Thank, Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. I am so excited to get to chat with you. Heather, you had an exciting and prolific career as a broadcast journalist, interviewing celebrities for MTV, E! Entertainment Television, TV Guide, People Magazine, and others. And then you walked away from it. So I want to start with that. I know those kinds of decisions don't happen overnight. There had been a transformation, perhaps. So walk us through what was going on or what happened up to that point where you decided you're walking away. And I'm putting that in air quotes, because as we'll discuss soon, you're back to interviewing, although it's in a different context. But before we get to that, walk us through the transformation and what happened that led to your decision to walk away from this career path? 
Right. That's such a great question. Uh, in fact, to give you a full answer would take so long. I actually decided to put the entire answer in book form. So I have a book coming out, God willing, um, a bit later in the year, probably spring, summer, mm-hmm. which, uh, which details exactly why I would walk away from such an extraordinary career. Um, a lot of people when you hear stories of people who became religious, who uh, you know weren't so religious, maybe they stopped being religious, came back. Um, a lot of times the stories are very dramatic and somebody might, maybe they hit a low or life became meaningless and they found something meaningful in their Jewish heritage. So in my case, um, I, I didn't really hit low. I had a tremendous and very, very exciting career in broadcasting and the only thing I did was interview celebrities. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that there was any low point to it because it was a very, very fun career. And it was so fun to be in that industry for for long enough that some of the news networks considered me to be an expert and like would invite me down to be interviewed on camera to talk about the latest celebrity scandal or the Oscars that had just happened, what is my feedback, or this or that breaking news story. So it really, really was a very fun, long um, career in broadcasting. So... The reason I would walk away from such a thing must be that there's something even better out there mm-hmm. than interviewing celebrities. So for people that love the entertainment industry and love and love movies and television and comedy and modeling and um, Broadway and as much as I did, I really uh, had the most fun career that a, a fan of entertainment could have. So yeah, it would have to be some pull that's even greater and a life that's even better than being a celebrity interviewer and uh that the uh the answer jumped to the chase at the end of the book is that yes it's uh, the return to my jewish heritage and living a torah centered life instead of a celebrity centered life Mm. that was the draw that was the pull away and uh it as you said so correctly al it did not happen overnight um and it wasn't even anything i set out to do i was not uh, raised in a religious family my parents of blessed memory were proud to be jewish and loved israel were regular at buying israel bonds and traveling to israel Mm -hmm. but i wasn't raised necessarily to love um, Judaism to the degree that I had to know what's in the Torah and I had to center my life around it. That that wasn't going on back then. Um, but yes, there was a series of events that led to my exploring my Jewish heritage and exploring what's in the Torah and eventually deciding to learn what it's um, all about as far as being a Jewish woman. What are um, Jewish laws the law of laws that apply to women in Judaism. Mm-hmm. What is the role of a Jewish woman, whether she's married or not, whether she has children or not, just what's, what does God want from a Jewish woman? So those were things I wanted to explore well. And I've been a religious observant Jew for almost 20 years, and I'm still looking into that. And, it's, you know, I'll tell you if I could, cut away from me for a second. One of the things I love about reading your blogs and listening to your program is also your journey is also still a journey of self-discovery as a Jew and coming to terms with certain things that are expected of us as Jews. So 
maybe you agree with me, it's yes. still ongoing, what, what, uh, what God wants from us Jewish women. Yes, I do very much agree with you. And I also um, can relate very much to your point about not hitting a low point necessarily. And I often get also this type of question, and I feel like people expect this dramatic answer. And I mm-hmm. can't say that I necessarily have a dramatic answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But could you have kept or did you try at some point to keep a career in broadcast journaling journaling and continue as you increased your observance? I mean, was that ever, were you at some point merging the two? Yes, that that decision had to come when I was already on board as becoming becoming a religious Jew. I was already observing the Sabbath, so uh-huh. that's usually when in the Jewish world someone is considered religious is right. when they really fully regularly take on Sabbath observance. So that's someone who's considered Shomer Shabbat is Shomer Mitzvos. Um, so uh, it was when I was already uh, observing the Sabbath that I was still living in New York, still holding down my job as an entertainment journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I thought, you know, this is very interesting what's going on with with me outside of broadcasting. I wonder, um, wow, this could be really cool being an, an observant Jew within uh, the, the entertainment business that, um, aside from asking to take off, uh, Shabbat, uh, but just what it would, what, how it would inform my journalism. Yeah. There was a time I went through that and I noticed the more observant I was becoming the different, the, 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 the way my questions to entertainers would change. So I was, I was, yeah, I'd already built a reputation for asking very thought provoking questions for asking the kind of questions that celebrities don't hear every day. Like what it was like to work with Bruce Willis or (laughs) how did you decide to play this role? You know, I was asking very different and, uh, yeah, very, um, uh, uh, out of the box questions, but wow. Then when you throw being a religious Jew in the mix, so then you're dealing with a Jewish outlook also known as Hashkafa, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with uh, Musar, which is uh, all about character development for a person. So when I would, it, it definitely changed the way I would ask questions. I remember asking Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of, with during one of his action hero movies that he was promoting about uh, the effect he thought it was having on his audience, especially his core fans being young um, teen boys and men. And, um, how they looked up to him because back in the day when he was all the rage. So, you know, he was this big muscle bound, uh, masculine, um, oozing masculinity kind of guy. So I asked him questions about that. I remember asking the most gorgeous leading ladies, um, about aging, you know, how they feel about one day they'll be middle-aged, uh, and how do they feel about, the way people will be scrutinizing how they look on camera and do they worry about that? And do they worry about, I hate to say it, but I, I did ask several of them, including Kim Basinger, including Madonna, hmm. uh, back there at the height of their career. Do they worry about be- being seen as obsolete as far as how they looked on camera? And they have very um, interesting questions. They didn't hate that question either, but they have very interesting answers is what I meant to say. Um, and uh, I'll give you one more example. Um, if you remember, uh, you probably know who Tim Burton is. Yeah. The, uh, 
the filmmaker, and he works a lot with Johnny Depp. So I've interviewed both of them a few times. But there was, you know, as a religious person, I remember interviewing them for the film Sleepy Hollow, which uh, which it was just so um, unbelievably violent and horrifying. It is a horror movie after all, and it's incredibly violent. And uh, so my questions were different from previous interviews with them, and a lot of it did have to do with. Um, their audience and I remember even asking Johnny Depp you know uh, this is before he had children I think but I, I said you know is this something you would take nieces and nephews to see at, at what age child should be seeing this because they all they're all fans of yours and you know um, so things about culpability and how they see their celebrity status and how and their image uh, how it affects real life people their fans and their audience Do you think it was a good career move? I mean, how did how did people react to this new line of questioning with some moral undertones? Oh, the, well, the people I was interviewing loved it. Uh -huh. They loved any question that was not the same old boring question. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, I did a lot of press uh, junkets, press conferences, which means in one weekend or one day of the week, um, if somebody um, I'll just... By example, any anyone like let's say Gwyneth Paltrow. So yeah. I interviewed her when she was promoting Shakespeare in Love, the mm -hmm. film for which she won an Oscar, which happens to be a Harvey Weinstein film, but yeah. that's a whole other matter. Um, but anyway, so that took place over a weekend where the entire cast and crew uh, from Shakespeare in Love had come to New York City to do rounds and rounds and rounds of interviews in the space of one weekend. So they so the company Weinstein Films or I think it was Miramax at the time that did that movie so they flew in journalists from all over the world not just the united states all over the world to descend upon new york and interview the cast and filmmakers connected to shakespeare and love so if you can imagine one weekend and it's gwyneth paltrow or joseph fines or anyone connected to, to that film they are just being asked by hundreds of interviewers the same questions right. so um so If you can imagine being Gwyneth Paltrow and being asked something that isn't just about, you know, how did you feel going topless, excuse me, you know, in this movie, which she did. Right. And uh, and she had a very interesting, cute answer for me. And she said, well, what do you, my grandfather saw this. What do you think? It was, it was horrifying, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um But so, so she didn't hate that question. You know, normally you would think, how could you ask someone about being topless in, 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 in a movie, in a regular, legitimate movie. But she um, she didn't balk at that, and I asked it in a nice enough uh, and respectable enough way that, you know, how does that feel? Now, it, it was also back in the day um, that I was interviewing not just big celebrities in, that, that, uh, that appeared in movies and, and on television, but also a lot of models. And... Every May I, uh, is when Playboy magazine would announce, maybe they still do, they announce who is the Playmate of the Year, who's yeah. the centerfold of the year. So, so when I was religious, already learning at uh, a college in Jerusalem called Nevei, Yerushalayim, mm -hmm. probably heard of it. Yeah. So, I, so my, my rub, my principal um, guidance counselor, the rabbi that I saw a lot of advice from, Rabbi uh, Lawrence Kellerman, advised me when um, when I was about to go back to the States for a visit just in the month of June. Uh, and it was and it was like May, June, and here it was, I said, Rabbi Kellerman, 
they just announced who the Playboy Playmate of the Year is. What do I do? Do I tell my boss, no way am I going to interview her? And he said, well, what do you mean? You should interview her. Go for it and ask her. You know, ask her questions that will make her think, uh, for example, how does she feel that if she's getting married one day, her husband will marry someone who has been seen without any clothes all over the world by by men all over the world. Like, how does she think about that? How will she explain to her children one day that she, that mommy once took off her clothes and had her picture taken to, for people to see all over the world? You know, think, things like that right. that... Have, have a person think about their career, have a celebrity think about their career choices. So Heather, this seems that it, it was a great thing. I mean, it was a great shlichut, it was a great mission. You're bringing a moral compass to this world where all of that is so clouded. Help me connect the dots. What happened? Why did you give it up? Because so far it sounds like it was a great career move and you're on a mission, you're doing, you're raising the bar. Right. So that's what, that's what I thought too. I thought, well, why not just be like this standout, um, entertainment reporter who is also an observant Jew? I really, really thought that, but CL, this is the thing is that, um, as I was becoming religious, I had gone on a few uh, tours to Israel, some of them with Asia Tour in New York City. Uh, one of them was just my dad, blessed memory. He invited everyone in the family, whoever wanted to go to Israel for Passover that year. I think it was the year 1999. Whoever wanted, so like any chance I could get to go to Israel, um, it was uh, it, it is something that I just took uh, took an opportunity when I saw it. And, uh, you know, in the days when I was not observant, um, I think I'd gone to Israel just twice with my family as a very young kid. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like I had a draw at all to go to Israel, just because back then I didn't have a draw to uh, Judaism so much. Um, but when I did become interested in Judaism, um, and one of the rabbis from Asia Torah uh, suggested, maybe you'll come with us on this a trip to Israel. It's just 10 days. Maybe you're, you can get a little, uh, I don't know, put, uh, maybe your boss can let, let you, you know, let you come with us for 10 days. Uh, cause he knew I had like deadline upon deadline upon deadline as a journalist. Right. But, uh, I thought, Oh gosh, I really don't want to go to Israel. I really just want to stay in New York city. Um, but, but so many people that, that were friends of mine from Asia Torah said, we just came back from a trip t uh, two months ago. It was great. We're going back. And that's, you know, that helps swing the, the thing in the, whatever the, um, pendulum in the favor of, okay, I'll go to Israel trip on um, this Israel trip. And yes, it was spectacular uh, just to see the land. You know, when you learn more and more about what's in the Torah and you learn about the journey of, uh, Abraham, our forefather, Avraham Avinu, and all of the key players in the Torah, then when you go to Israel on the right kind of a tour, you will see where the Torah actually took place, yes. the really important events in the Torah. So that just really hit me where I lived. It struck a chord in my neshama. So uh, from then on, I really did just want to keep going back to Israel as much as I could. And in the year 1999 to 2000, I had gone back and forth to Israel five times. Wow. That's how much I loved being in Israel. The fifth time was without a return ticket because that was the time I took some time off to learn at Nevei Shalom. So that's where it changed because no longer was I convinced, well, I don't know, should I just be this one, 
religious Jew in the entertainment business or, oh no, what am I going to do? Because I love being in Israel so much. And 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 I can't replicate that kind of a career in Israel because Al Pacino's not coming to Israel to do interviews and neither is anyone else. Oh, no. So, yeah. So, this is where I met with people like Rabbi Kellerman and Rebbe Sipora Heller and all of my mentors. I met with about three of my mentors, including them. And uh, I cried a lot of tears because, wow, what a, what a fork in the road. You know, yes. I could... Um, I could have stayed in New York and really been that that one religious reporter uh, in the field of entertainment or uh, or just another newly religious person in Israel trying to make a go of it. But um, that is the magic of Israel. That's the what Israel can do to your soul. And even if you don't even if you go come to Israel just as a tourist, if you go with a tourist who happens to be a truth seeker or happens to be someone who wants to um, wants to uh, just have an open mind, right? Not even yeah. looking to be religious or looking to connect to the land of Israel. Just you come to Israel with an open mind and learn what what the the history of the land and why it's important to the Jewish people. Because it really isn't just another piece of real estate when you learn why. So that's what kept me coming back. And yes, eventually, um, I guess I went out on a limb when uh, when it came time to decide that, uh, well, I didn't just go out on a limb. I also got uh, proposed to by my husband. Oh, who okay. So we found a husband, uh, too. Yes, yeah, yeah, so we found a husband. <laughs> so it was about a year after learning at Neve Yerushalayim that uh, somebody who was a friend of my husband's from where he prayed, the synagogue he went to in in Jerusalem, he um, uh, matched us up. It was somebody who she she uh, was not somebody I knew well. She was a she's a very successful matchmaker actually. But I was just you know someone she knew from Neve Shalim. But my but my husband yeah she knew him from from synagogue. So she matched us up, and uh, I had gone out on other matchmaker type dates. But this he was by far the person I liked the most. Not knowing what was going to come of it, but. It, it was clearly green lights the whole time. It was a really wonderful dating process. And uh, I just thought, wow, he's so cute and he's great. And uh, I like him so much. And yeah, so, um, but we really did realize we, we have a love for each other. And he proposed. And, uh, and so I remember at the day after I said yes, you know, there's a little party usually when someone proposes and the other says yes. And in the Jewish world, we make a l'chaim, right? right? So the... We have a little a little reception of some close friends. So the day after, you know, I remember being in Zion Square in Jerusalem, also known as Kikar Tzion, mm -hmm. on a payphone, and I called up uh, the editor that I was working for at one particular broadcast outlet, and I said, Michael, I just got engaged yesterday. And you know what he said? He said, Heather, I am so happy for you that you're getting out of this business. Good for you. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So Michael, my former editor, he knew that I was growing more and more attached to being in Israel because I kept taking more and more time off from from doing entertainment uh, interviews for for that outlet. And um, so yeah, so that's really where where the where I had become uh, started becoming Israeli. So beautiful. <laughs> so American you, get, you got married and you moved to Israel and you raised your family in Israel. 
Right. All of my children are born in Israel. I, um, we, we, uh, my husband and I, our first date was on Rosh Chodesh Elul, the first day of the Hebrew month of Elul. Mm -hmm. That year was August 19 of 2000, 2000, excuse me, 2001. Mm -hmm. It was right before 9-11. Right. It was before 9-11. And then we got engaged. It was officially just um, a few months later, uh, officially on October 28th. And, um, before, um, before long, yeah, we planned our own wedding and, uh, and, and, uh, only because both of our mothers had already passed away. So we didn't have mommies to, mm. to prepare. We planned our own wedding and yeah, so thank God. Um, and we were already both just so in love with the land of Israel it, and, and my husband is from New York and I had and I not from New York, but I loved living in New York, but we just knew I mean that was one of the things we always agreed on was how much we love Israel, so it was just a no brainer that we were going to make a life in Israel so um yeah, so that very, was very very cool. Yeah. so at what point did you decide I have a book in me, and I'm writing this book so that happened actually years later on a milestone birthday that um it occurred to me, wow, that career that I had and that kind of access to A-list celebrities, even the B-list, and I loved the has-beens most per- personally, Just, but even to have access to has-beens, um, that, that is not um, just random. It's not random. Why would God have given me that kind of access to those high caliber celebrities and to have done so well in that field mm-hmm. and on this milestone birthday whatever it was it was um it was several years ago uh i realized because maybe to it's such a miracle that that happened maybe to maybe to tell over this miracle i mean there is a there is a mitzvah commandment in the Jewish tradition that we do, it's called Pursume Nes. Nisi, right. So to publicize a miracle, and God really did a miracle for me that, um, I mean, even for a, for a journalist, most journalists still don't have that kind of access where every day it's, it's a, a few celebrities to interview every day. Yeah. and. Um, was, and have access to all these concerts and movies and all of the swag that uh, that I was just showered uh, uh, with. Um, so, uh, so walk it, it me yeah. walk mm-hmm. me through it because I was going to ask you that there are so many paths in journalism. How did you end up in the world of celebrities um, and uh-huh. and in, and so high up in the world of celebrities? So yeah, that's that's part of the miracle because I was born to a family in suburban Ohio, just this nice family in a nice community, and it okay, was a not nice Hollywood, st- not New York City. No, okay, what's no, going on so here? So far from it. <laughs> and like most suburban kids, um, watched TV and went to movies and went to sporting events. Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, so it meant I was also an Indians fan for mm-hmm. baseball and a Browns fan football and Cavaliers basketball, like the whole thing, just everything about suburban life. And um, so it's not like I could ever possibly dream of anything to do with uh, celebrities. Um, I sort- <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, right, exactly. Um, so, but I did sort of for a little while want to become a journalist. Uh, um, 
but uh, you know, whatever. I, I, uh, but I didn't dream like to ever that I'd ever really be a reporter or anything like that because it's, um, it's, it's not like I had any contacts or uh, at that point any experience. But uh, eventually, I did. You know, when you when you work really hard, um, so you do gain some experience, and that's especially through internships. I'm a, a definite fan and believer in uh, college internships. I even did high school internships, just anything um, that had to do with media. I -hmm. would, uh, if there was an opportunity, I would take it. So there was an opportunity in Ohio to um, work uh, as for free, just like interning um, for one of the news anchors was also the the consumer advocate for that particular newscast. So I volunteered when the opportunity came up to also learn about uh, consumer ad being a consumer advocate on the project that he did. So there I was at the CBS affiliate every day during the summer for a couple of summers, and that's when I was in high school. So I already I got the bug to do that. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was in university, still in Cleveland, I went to Case Western Reserve University. So um, when the opportunity came to program my own college radio show, I did that for a few years. And that was so creative and fun and crazy. And the opportunity came to just be a volunteer for the school's film society. That's the, the group that puts on films for the university students. When there was no video, no you know people didn't really have VCR back then or anything so if you want to see a movie you go to the the cinema so this is the on-campus cinema so I volunteered for it and I was a hard enough worker and uh, did well enough as a as a volunteer and uh, a helper that I was asked to be the director of that film society in my junior and senior year or maybe just my senior no I think my yeah, in my junior year, I was asked to do that for my senior year. So I was the one who was programming films that would be seen by the campus, and that just meant a lot of um, a lot of or, or a lot of organizing, a lot of leading that organization. So those credentials, again, this is all the hand of God working because you know not everyone can just be the director of the College Film Society, and not not just anyone can really program a college radio show for a few years. So looking back, that's the hand of God, that I was given these very creative, interesting projects, which was enough for MTV to um, accept me, along with a pretty good interview, I must say, to uh, to be an intern at MTV News Uh while I was in college. Yes. So that was my last college class was an independent study where I uh, was in New York City for um, for the winter to. uh, Yeah, for the winter, I think it was um, to be an intern for uh, MTV News. And wow, that was a great foot in the door. Um, And I'll tell you, you know, just because a person's an intern does not mean they go on to a career at that firm. But when I, I wasn't kidding when I talked about hard work. So I worked really hard. I had a very, very good attitude. I mean, I'm a pretty nice person. And so I, ha- I, I had a good attitude about, about um, do whatever task that they needed. So even if it meant uh, schlepping over to get some um, images, graphics, whatever was needed, if it meant faxing, if it meant going down to the mailroom and picking stuff up, whatever they, you know, as an intern, you get the grunt work. But right. nothing was me, I was happy to be of assistance to the actual news producers, and uh, and they appreciated that I would um, uh, spend extra time outside of the internship to help them and assist them in their editing sessions. So news producers, it's definitely not a glamorous job. They are working into the night 
editing together pieces that would be on MTV the next day. Um, so they were very glad to have uh, an extra pair of hands to help them um, in editing sessions. So I learned so much about editing television from just doing that. Uh, and so that kind of hard work and being, being good and being a good sport and being a team player. So that increased, that got my foot even further into the door at MTV because when the internship was finishing, I was already offered a job by MTV as a production assistant. So now this meant actually being on the payroll at MTV and it just went from there. So it's, you know, nothing can be hard work and having good attitude and having team player in any field. And in my case, it was broadcasting. Right, right. So I hear, I hear that you're a very hardworking person, a lot of creativity and obviously people skills and able to work with people. And when you moved to Israel, Heather, did you, did you pursue a career as you were building your family? I know now you're behind the mic and everything, and I want to get to that. But what happened in the interim before you got back into the mic? So what happened was I just focused on my family and that's it. That's it. I got married to the man of my dreams. We started our home in Israel. I think for the first half year of our marriage, I did look into what sort of media jobs there were um, in English because my Hebrew is not great. Mm -hmm. It's still not great. Just ask my kids. Because <laughs> uh, they speak to each other in Hebrew. It's great. I learned from them. I learned from them, especially all of the, uh, the, the, um, the, the things the kids say, the, argue, the argumentative words. <laughs> uh, it's really cute with kids. Um, believe me, I could tell you in an instant how you say, get out of here in, in Hebrew. <laughs> I learned it from my kids. Very, very cute. But I also hear very cute, uh, charming words from them too. So, yeah, so I needed a job in English in media because really, yeah, that's all I knew. Right. You know, I, I, I didn't know how to like sell shoes or, uh, or, or be a medical uh, office assistant. I just couldn't. So I did look into that and I got, uh, many, many meetings because when with those credentials, uh, I, I, met I was invited to meet with the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post mm -hmm. at the time it was Brett Stevens who now works at the New York Times he's an amazing journalist um, so yeah so I met with him and I met with many many top people in the media in Israel um, uh, however it didn't go because even at the Jerusalem Post, they need all of their employees to be bilingual uh, uh, at least on the editorial side you right. had to be bilingual so that didn't go, unfortunately. Um, although, you know, they did say if, uh, if a Jewish entertainment story comes up, you know, on a freelance basis, we'd love to hear from you. But really to be on staff, you need to, you need to have both languages. So, um, yeah, so it didn't, it didn't really go. Uh, my husband did think of a very nice English language job that I did do for many years uh, as a newly married person. Uh, and even as my kids started to come into the, into the picture, thank God. Uh, and his idea was, listen, you have really, really strong interviewing skills. And uh, we, we met through the matchmaker who, who, we, who set us up. So what, let's, why don't you be just become a matchmaker? Are That's you serious? Isn't that a great idea? I'm so glad he thought of that. And how Isn't did that, that go? I love were, you, were you good at it, Heather? So, yeah, I mean, you know, a matchmaker is never satisfied because you really want every Jewish single out there who's marriage-minded to get married. You, so it's never enough. But yes, How many we, couples did you, did you marry off? 
Oh gosh, you know, uh, I don't exactly know. We made we made quite a few, and thank God now we hear about all the births that are happening nice. um, as a result. So that's real nachas. That's really 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 satisfying. Um, but I'll tell you, I really don't know the exact number because um, my husband and I would also run events for single people to meet matchmakers we would oh, call it meet your match wow. so some of those people met even just at the events you know what i'm saying so and, and got married so i really don't know an exact figure and i don't want to cast an eye in hara on that like i don't want to <laughs> do any bad luck like oh we introduced this many couples but um um but yeah thank god there were, were but you know my husband was right my husband was right use those skills in English and I and yeah so and I'll tell you the people that I interviewed the singles uh, even the ones we didn't marry off were very very appreciative of the interviews because I sat down with them each of them for more than an hour really got to know them and got to know what kind of home they want to make with their future spouse um, sometimes uh, matchmaking can be um, when you're on the other side as the single it can be brutal because yes. Sometimes a matchmaker, they mean well, but they only ask the big three questions, right? How old are you? Where are you from? And how tall are you? I don't know. Like just maybe three, four questions tops and and uh, set up dates based on, you know, hey, you're Canadian. She's Canadian. It's a match, right? <laughs> and uh, it's it's brutal when you're a single and you realize, wow, that's the only reason why, why we're set up. Wow, we're both tall, or we're both one thing, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, the singles that I interviewed, they really appreciated the a complete interview, and uh, yeah. So, so that was that kept me busy, but there, it had nothing to do with the media, nothing. So now yeah. you're the host of H.com's weekly podcast at home in Jerusalem. Tell us about the show. Okay. Well, the uh, the show is. Such a great opportunity, and I'll uh, uh, first and foremost because it is on H.com, and not just because H.com is a giant platform in the Jewish world, but because if it weren't for Asha Torah, you and I would not be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for Asha Torah and what a warm environment they created back in the day when I was so not religious and so not interested in exploring my Judaism, um, Asha Hatorah in New York City. Uh, has such a nice laissez-faire attitude, meaning, you know, we can, if you're interested in exploring your Jewish heritage, we at Eshator, we can guide you. We are here to answer your questions. We're here if you want to come to us for Shabbat meal. We have these cool events, etc., etc. So um, it, that's that's one of the big, big, big components into my uh, exploring my Jewish heritage and becoming a religious Jew. So now um, that it's 18 years after that first Asia Tour New York experience, getting to now do um, a show for H.com is such a nice way to say thank you, Asia Torah. Let's now bring um, the Torah scholars and 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 Jewish authors and Jewish speakers to the visitors of H.com. So that's what that's what that show does. The show is all about just in some way making home life better, mm -hmm. and and that means that uh, it can be a, it's a different Torah scholar or a different well-known speaker or author every week. So one week it could be Rabbi Beryl Wine talking about the importance of community, and on a different week it, it could be Rebbe Sipora Heller talking about 
um, inculcating good values of proper speech with your children. Mm-hmm. And the week that you and I are speaking, um, my guest star is a celebrity chef, Jamie Geller, and oh. she's talking this week. I know she's going to have your show too. He's choosing my and show this week too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Yay. So, yeah. Um, so, Jamie, uh, this particular week that, that you and I are speaking, she uh, has, is speaking all about Shabbat food and some great shortcuts and some great tips on preparing Shabbat food. Um, but another guest was uh, that we had recently, and he's coming back to God willing, is uh, Rabbi David Orlovsky. So, he, uh, he had a Really, really fantastic um, interview that he gave uh, a couple weeks ago on H.com. So on and on, just this parade of celebrities of the Jewish world are who I get to interview. And um, and I realize now maybe that's also one of the reasons why the hand of God yeah. it, it gave me such a great career and learning all of the terminology about broadcasting and what goes into making a broadcast and how to interview and how to bring out great answers out of the person that you're questioning. Um, I think all of that was a setup in order to be a, a host of a podcast on age.com. Because, Absolutely. Um, Talk about coming full circle. That's such a yeah, such yeah. a great story. Did they find yeah, you, or did you propose it to them? So, well, you know, I'll tell you the the H dot com staff. Uh, we we all go. Uh, the the Asha Torah staff we all go a very long way back oh, okay. so um, the the rabbi who was uh, our Masada Kedushin the um, the the one who married my husband and me mm-hmm. my Rav mm-hmm. in New York was Rabbi Avraham Goldhar so Rabbi Goldhar's very best friend in the world happens to be the editor in chief of H dot com uh-huh. but before he was the editor in chief of H dot com uh, there when when um when I was becoming religious, so there was no age dot com. This was just you know uh, the, he was a uh, he was a rabbi that I knew, Rabbi Goldhar's best friend, and uh, you know I got to know him and his wife by just being a frequent guest of their home uh, on Shabbat. So so you know when I um uh, just in the past year had conversations with the editor in chief of H.com. So he fully knew who I was because I was a guest in his home a lot for Shabbat. Uh, so just when we started having these talks together about um, the idea of a podcast, because it was never done on a weekly basis on H.com. So, um, so part of this conversation included the fact that I had just been profiled uh, in the Jews, in the pages of the Jerusalem Post, they did a cover story of one of their magazines in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So you know, he had to look at that. He heard uh, 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 he heard clips of podcasts that I had already produced on a different platform, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Mm-hmm. So he heard what it was like to hear me hosting a show, and he had seen the profile in. Um, in Jerusalem Post, so it's it's not like I had to twist any arms or or he had to come running to me or begging. It was just sort of like this thing that seemed like, well, let's just go forward and see what happens. So this is so beautiful. There's so much ashkaha pratid that we see in mm. everything you're saying. It's so amazing, and I'm very happy that you actually took the time to put it all together in a book um, because y- y- it's so important to share these stories and and to really zoom in into the hand of God playing into our lives. It's so 
easy because of the way God has structured the world. It's easy to forget that he is he is part of the operation going on. <laughs> so Right. Well, especially at this time of year, right? Where yeah, like the season of Purim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Heather, let's do some JLP fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'll give you an open-ended sentence and you'll fill it yes. with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Terrific. All right. And I, I bet you're going to be really good at this. Okay. <laughs> I'm Heather Dean and I feel most spiritual when... I feel most spiritual when I'm walking in Jerusalem. Wow. I'm, I'm getting the chills because recently, oh, sure. recently yes. I've had so many guests that are, have made Aliyah. And like my husband, whenever he edits the interviews, he's like, mm hmm, you see, I told you, I'm telling you, we're also going. And I'm like, oh, we yeah. are. <laughs> oh. So, you know, okay. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is. Oh, Shabbat. Oh, my gosh. Uh, observing Shabbat. Yes. Yeah, Al, you yes. don't know what a pleasure I have every every day of the week. I'm with you. Uh, baking something for Shabbat, cooking something for Shabbat. My kids make challahs with me. This week, it's my son's turn. He already uh, made this week's challahs with me. And my son is uh, he's, he's not even 10. And he's a great baker. Oh, so nice. Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. Yes. I'm so with you. I was actually mm -hmm. just speaking at a Shabbaton for women in San Luis, Missouri. And on the Friday night mm -hmm. event, I was telling them that 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 is my thing. Shabbat. That's my mitzvah. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot live without it. I, I don't even comprehend how I ever lived without it. But I did at some point. Now, right. I, nobody can touch my Shabbos. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's lovely. My oh. fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Mm, you know what? I would have to say, um, I would have to say uh, the birth of the birth of all of my children. Um, I have uh, I have one son, and I uh, I cried through his birth. I cried through it with such tears of joy. The minute that um, um, in my son my son is named for both of his grandfathers because by by the time he was born they had both passed away, mm -hmm. and so the Sandek, who's usually one of the grandfathers right. at the at the bris, Uh, the Sandak had to not be one of the grandfathers, but it was uh, our Rav. So the Rav, when he walked in before the bris had taken place, he came over and said and smiled and said to me, "This is such a holy moment," and I just started crying, gushing tears, and I didn't stop until after it was everything was packed up and it was time to go home with the new baby. <laughs> so that yeah so um definitely the birth the birth of my children and um crying through my son's birth yeah mm -hmm. wow how powerful <laughs> something mm -hmm. i wished i had learned about judaism growing up is i wish that um i wished that i had learned that it was god who gave the torah at mount sinai and that and that we were all witness to it. Yeah. I love it. Thank when you. I give tzedakah, charity, I like to give to? I like to give to, um, to uh, people who normally do not receive. Hmm. People who normally do not receive. It's hard for them to ask or... Um, Or, or it's for some people, you know, it's, it's harder, uh, just socially, it's harder for some people to give to certain types of people, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 
So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that 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 hu- the human connection, the knowing that somebody's in need and that you're giving to that. Um, sometimes giving to organizations right. is also very important, but it's so powerful to take care of people who you know don't can't ask, right. but they really need it. Right. Well, if if also some people are hard to give to because. Um, and you would think of uh, in New York City. So you know how so many homeless people that are asking for money, they're really friendly, right? Mm-hmm. They're really friendly. They say thanks. A lot of them are. And that makes it easier to give to them. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. There are some people that really, really need, but it's their personality. It's not so easy. Yeah. So I figure, wow, those are the ones who are probably not getting, you know, Help. donations. Help. Right. Wow. So. Wow, good for you. Finally, Mm -hmm. I'm Heather Dean, and today I'm most grateful for? Um, I am most grateful for my life. I'm grateful that God returned me to the land of my soul, which is Israel. Wow, Heather, you make me want to go there like ASAP. <laughs> you must. The next you flight must, out. And, and you're coming for Shabbat or for whatever holiday is and... Yeah, I yeah, have, no, definitely. I yeah, have a I feeling know. this is happening sooner than I think, only because God is sending all these wonderful guests who are in Israel my way. Heather, yeah. you are so great. I loved having this conversation with you. I'm so Thank excited you. for the book. Remind us again, when is the book coming out? Okay, so the book is probably out late spring or over the summer. And uh, the book is called Searching for Heather Dean, which uh, is actually a song. It's actually a song that someone wrote about me Back in the days, I wasn't religious. I didn't even know the song was being written, but a, a friend of mine, just a regular friend who's a musician, wrote this song. And uh, so, yeah, so the so the someone who's editing the book said, "Well, this should be the title of your book, Searching for Heather Dean." I said, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah, that's amazing. And then we can find you at h dot h dot com at home in h. Jerusalem, right? at home in Jerusalem and you can also any of your listeners and podcast watchers can uh, it, to, can listen to past interviews just by doing a search of the word Heather Dean uh, on h.com and then you'll see like wow I always wanted to hear this or that this or that person so you can see the archive interviews by just doing a search on the word Heather Dean beautiful I'm so mm. excited thank you for coming on the show this was great it was really really a pleasure so nice to speak with you Yael thank you Thanks so much to Heather Dean for stopping by. The book is scheduled to come out in the spring-summer of 2018, Searching for Heather Dean. And you can find Heather at aish.com on her podcast at home in Jerusalem. So go check it out. As always, thank you for being here on the lovely reviews. If you have not rated the show, please head over to iTunes, click on the rate and review buttons, and leave a rating and a review. I'm very proud of the five-star rating, and for that, I thank you. And I'm very happy that iTunes is noticing you all being here here. So yes, the more reviews and ratings, the more iTunes gets the message that this is a podcast worthwhile recommending to Jewish women when they search for Jewish content. See you all next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.